Hello and welcome to Nobody's Coming to Fix You, a podcast for women, by women, talking all things life, empowerment and transformation. My name is Del Beer. I'm a businesswoman, sustainability advocate, industry leader in my field and have spent my whole career working in the fashion industry, working out what women actually want. I am the creator of the Sandsland Coaching and Transformation Programme and I am your host for this podcast. Joining me throughout the series will be lots of fabulous women and men too to talk about how we can share the best hacks to live our best lives. Welcome to today's episode of Nobody is Coming to Fix You. Business is one of the four key pillars of our Sansland Coaching and Transformation Programme, so I'm really pleased to be speaking to an amazing founder of a great business today. Mel Millam is the extraordinarily talented woman behind Curate and Rotate, a pre-love fashion platform with fashion that has been curated by Mel herself. Her journey has been nothing short of extraordinary, starting off in COVID with what was just a hobby that has slowly evolved into a brand that is not only about sustainable fashion, but has become sustainable in its own right. I'm so excited to talk to her today. Welcome to the show, Mel. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. So excited that you're on the show today. To kick off, let's talk about Curate and Retake. Can you tell us a little bit about the brand? Sure. Curate and Retake is an online resale destination to shop and sell pieces by contemporary, independent and emerging labels. So we are a consignment store, which means we source our pieces through our customers. They give us their unloved pieces to sell, but also we sell pieces from some of the brands that we work with, whether it's sample pieces or stock, which they've no longer got on their website. So past season stock. So yeah, we work in two ways in that our stock comes from two different places. I'd say predominantly the stock comes from individuals who are passing on pieces that they've falling out of love with but we are leaning more into working with brands as well which is exciting so yeah that's amazing and let's talk first about the individuals that put their products on your store how do they present that to you do they have to kind of show you what it looks like and because it's curate and that's you creating it right yeah, it's very curated. I'd say that's sort of what is that is what predominantly makes us really different to a lot of other resale um, businesses. There's quite a few now, isn't there? So we pride ourselves on really curating the pieces which we then rotate or sell. And they have to send us images so we can have a quick look through. Some customers don't. If it's customers that we work with on a regular and we know their pieces fit with our style and they have brands that sell well for us they don't have to they can kind of skip that process but yeah most customers send us pictures either via a form an online form or whatsapp we then have a quick look through I feel like with me it only takes one picture and I can say yes or no I just I just know even if it's a flat lay I can kind of gauge the shape they tell us the brands and yeah, we see if it's something that we believe will sell well on our platform and I'll just know whether it will sell well or not. So yeah. And that's because you now understand your customers so well, I guess. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's taken what a years, when I say years, I mean like four, four years of learning what, what works, what sells well at the start it was a it wasn't as curated as it is no way but yeah it's almost like a brand I don't have a brand but it's like I've become I guess curates but kind of become you know what stuff I just know what sells well what styles what brands what shapes what materials people like so yeah it's very curated and do you have in your mind a clear idea of who the customer is that's coming on to curate and retain and buying from you yeah it's it's one of those things where I feel like if this was a, a big business I would know that 100% because you'd have all these things I mean they must do with these big businesses must have these stats going on in the background knowing exactly who their customer is but if you were to ask me I was to say I would say they're between 25 up to 65 it's quite a vast age group but people who really care about where their pieces are made they care about the materials they want to look a little bit different they don't tend to shop on the high street maybe because that they just don't like the way they're made or I don't know they just want more 
they're looking for a, a little bit more of a different piece, something a bit more unique. They just love wearing small independent brands and supporting them. If I imagine my customer, I imagine them as being kind, like sweet. They're all so lovely. Like they are all so lovely. And that makes me so happy that we we curate amazing clothes, but we also have tend to curate amazing customers. So I, I love like chatting with them, whether it be through emails or social media. I love that it is such a vast age group. And, and that's why when we did our model, so we just launched our new website last week. And when we did the photo shoot for it, I didn't just want to use the same age. We used, I think the youngest was 20, youngest model was 25. And our oldest was, I think she's fifth, like 55 or something. And I wanted to reflect that when we put the new images up to attach, like to go with our new website, it was important to me. So. That's amazing. And I think probably what a lot of your community is now kind of recognizing is that you are the founder. They can identify with a face as somebody mm-hmm. that's actually doing this on a daily basis, creating collections for them. And I think the power of seeing the the true identity of the brand. And, I, and it is a brand, I guess. Now, even though you haven't created the products yeah. yourself, the fact that you've curated them into a handwriting and a look and a feel, I think kind of makes it a brand. But I think that the, what people love is being able to say, oh, it's Mel. Mel is the person behind this. I can connect with her, connect with her story. So uh, that's amazing. And tell me about your Sunday rotations. So I don't even know how this started or I feel like I can't you know what it's been such a whirlwind I feel like maybe I used to set like rotate clothes twice a week and then it dropped down to one as I realized I just it was just so much easier for us so yeah for as long as I can remember we always rotate which is our word for sale because it's quite fitting on a Sunday at 8pm so throughout the week we work towards on putting together that rotation photographing it writing all the descriptions up and getting it prepared online for all of those pieces to go live on a Sunday at 8pm. So they're all pre-worn pieces which have been curated by us for our customers. So yeah, it's always yeah, Sunday 8pm and it's been that way for quite a while. Yeah, and we call it a, a, yeah, a rotation. Yeah, That's always a- working hard in a week to like prepare for the Sunday. And can people still buy during the week or does it only yeah, on Sunday? Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. The pieces are still, there's still pieces left online after that day. It's just like when that, that's the date, fresh for us. Not new, because it's they're not new. New to you pieces go online. So yeah, that's if you're, so if you've seen something you want that week and you're like, I really want that, you kind of, some people wait on a Sunday at 8pm to try and get that, that particular item, which is, blows my mind really like that but you know it's that excitement isn't it it's that excitement of I know you don't really call them like like drops but it's that excitement of knowing that it's time sensitive and that if you're an hour late or a day late you're possibly going to miss the piece so you've actually now got a whole community of people waiting Sunday evening at 8 p.m for this to go live for them to shop yeah it's crazy like it's mad it's mad like I guess so, yeah. <laughs> it's not wonderful though. It's amazing. I mean, it's also it just brings a bit of like excitement and drama back into like, you know, in, into our world of fashion because we all yeah. love fashion and I think that so much of of what's been going on in the last couple of years is that it's not working is because brands are not creating exciting propositions and mm. not creating theatre or enticing kind of environments to shop in and I think just the fact that you've built a community you've given them a time and a place or a time let's say you know and 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 there's a moment where everybody is like scrambling around trying to pick up their pieces it's just it's just really exciting yeah I just love I mean I, I love it we sort of tell stories with clothes like sometimes it may have been owned by like my friend's grandma or someone's grandma and we like to tell that story it just gives us the week to like tell the stories we want to tell showcase the pieces talk a little bit about them before they go online and hope like we do a weekly live where we pull out our favorite pieces from that week's rotation talk about them try them on and I absolutely love it like I, I love it that's absolutely wonderful. I mean, I think this business is absolutely it's so impressive. And I'm so 
happy that you have kind of created something that has got a really large audience. It's hugely sustainable. You're really supporting the pre-love industry by not only just creating an environment where it can be sold, but like you said, creating storytelling, making it really exciting. I think that in terms of sustainability, that's a, that's a, that's a massive achievement. Let's go back a little bit. Before you started Create and Rotate, you were actually in a different industry. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that time and how you got from there to, to here. Yeah, sure. So I'll start quickly at uni for what I studied, because I think some people probably think I've studied fashion or something like that. I haven't. I studied international travel and tourism. I don't don't know why. I just felt like I, I, everyone was going to uni. So I thought, what can I study? Let's study that. So I studied that and then left uni and got a job in London in the corporate world as a receptionist. And then after six months, moved to another company where I was for 10 years. So 10 years in one company, starting off filling up the photocopiers, then I worked on reception, and then I was an executive assistant for the majority of my time there. I loved it. It was a completely different world to what I grew up in. It was, you know, the people were so different to people I'd ever met before in my life, but I loved it. It was just, yeah, a unique world and being around people who were so driven and interesting and yeah, I loved it. But then I was got pregnant and went on maternity leave to have my daughter left all my bits in my office drawers, you know, thinking I'll be back in a year, like, see you soon. And after, I think she was three months old, I just thought, I'm going to I'm gonna set up a page on Instagram, start selling some pieces from my wardrobe. And it's funny because when I used to think about me being on maternity leave for a year, I always thought you're not going to do a year and not do something that is kind of work working and I thought well what would I do because I've let I can't go back to work and be like oh can I you know can I do some days like I'm I feel like I need to work so it kind of I always knew I would do something other than just being on maternity but I didn't know what so yeah I started putting out pieces from my wardrobe to sell set up an Instagram page did a logo which is which was hideous. I was laughing about it the other day. I can't wait to, I'm going to like put up of like how our logo started. I don't know why I did a logo. It was a hobby. Like I have no idea what I was doing. I just thought it was really cute. And I think it's me just being creative. Yeah. So I pulled out a piece of my wardrobe, started flat laying them to sell. So like just lay, I think I started, yeah, laying them or hooking them up against like a pretty wall, trying to sell like a Ganny dress that I had in my wardrobe that I wore when I was pregnant. And then, you know, I wasn't going to wear it anymore. And yeah, that's how it started. I was just photographing things, had no followers. I remember like every follower I'd get, I'd be like, oh, how cute. Like someone might buy something. No one ever did. It was like a few months. It was, you know, a little bit of a slow burner. Then I have no idea what happened, to be honest. I think someone bought a pair of leather trousers, come around my house to collect them. Then I got a few more orders and I'd go out every like weekend with my husband in the car because I didn't drive then because I was scared of driving even though I passed my test, going, right, come on, babe, let's go and drop all the orders off that I've, you know, in little brown bags. What, all around London? <laughs> no, sorry, I'm Brighton, because I live okay. Brighton. So I'd, like, trot round all of Brighton with all these brown carrier bags of people's, like, pieces from my wardrobe. And that went on for a while, like, delivering it to them so I didn't have to ship it. I, there's, like, pictures of me outside my house in my garden, like, cradling, like, brown carrier bags of people's things with their names written on. So that's what I do at the weekends with, Margot, baby, in the back of the car, napping. Yeah, it just, it just kind of, I, I don't, it's so weird. I feel like it's been such a whirlwind. I don't know really how it got from that to this. I don't know how I created a business sometimes. I'm like, wait, what? How did that, that's gone so fast. Like, how do I gain followers on Instagram to then feel that I could then create a website? I don't know. Like, hard work is all I can think is how determined I get when I get focused on an idea. I get so determined and I think I just thrived on being creative. I always knew clothes meant a lot to me and I always knew secondhand clothing meant a lot to me because I predominantly bought secondhand because I couldn't afford to buy the brands that I wanted to buy before I set this business up. But I didn't expect how much I would love selling clothes. <laughs> Like it, it just brought me so much joy that it was the best hobby I've ever, I've ever found. And I felt really good at something. Yeah, I, I loved it. It's funny that you say that, you know, you don't know how you got from like that hobby to, to where you are now. 
And yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right. Determination must be something. But I think consistency as well. The fact that you continued, you know, like day after day after day. And that's yeah. no small feat, like taking bags, driving them around to people's yeah. houses. I mean, that level of commitment, you know, yeah. showing up every day for your own business. And I think... People yeah. always say it, you know, all those like well-being speakers and that like Tony Robbins that they always say that, you know, if you just keep on doing the same thing, like repeatedly, you will you will get there. You know, the, the winners are often the ones that are just consistent. And That's so true, actually. Yeah, you're right, because I can see how sometimes you feel like you're doing something consistently and getting nowhere. But if you do it over and over and over and over and over and over again, you will finally get there. And I feel like I'm still not where I want to be, like curate still wasn't where I want it to be, but I'm maintaining that consistency every single day. And I feel like I've been working on the business every single day without my mind not thinking about the business since my daughter was three months old and now she's five this year. But every single bit is because I love it. And I think I used to listen to podcasts of people talking about like they they could, they built a successful business because of the love and the passion they had for it. I love it so much. It feels like, a joy to work on every day I'm not like oh gosh I think if it ever became like that then it's not for me anymore but it's not I I absolutely love it it's, it's amazing like I just yeah it's like having a second child but that's yeah. wonderful I think it's a big case isn't it for trying to get people to work in areas where they actually feel really motivated and they really enjoy the work I think there's so many people out there who still do work that doesn't inspire them and I think that you know I wonder how successful people could be if they were in environments where they got to do a job that they absolutely loved I always think that I always think that if I didn't have my daughter I would never I just don't think I ever would have done this so it was that take it also having that time to stop and pause and think allowed me to just go like give it I would never have done this if I was still in my job and didn't take maternity leave. I just don't think I would have done I never have found something I truly love and I always think there's so many people out there who haven't yet found that job they love so much but it is there you know it's just about choosing I don't know it's yeah I just happened to have maternity leave at a good time as well because it was covid you know, the, the year after where people stopped to think about where they were buying their clothes and second hands. And it's had this big explosion of popularity. And bef- when I did, I so I obviously started it before COVID. It wasn't as popular. People weren't really talking about secondhand clothing like they are now. It was like a perfect time to start for me. Yeah. And I'm lucky to have found something that I just truly love. And, and there's so much talk about women like leaving the workplace. And I think, and there's also a lot of talk about women starting businesses. And I think yeah. exactly to your point, I think a lot of what's happening now is people are thinking, this job is fine, but it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't it, it motivate me. It doesn't excite me. I'm going to quit yeah. and I'm going to start something up. And I think, you know, it's probably very difficult in those first months when you are still having to work, pay the bills and start something I mean was it really intense for you when you were still in your job and this hobby was turning into something a bit more yeah so I so I started it in the December of 2019 and I had to go back to work I think it was like October 2020 so it hadn't even been a year I didn't have a website I was still seeing on Instagram which is a lot of manual work sending out invoices like manually but I didn't feel I didn't feel the confidence to lead to say I wasn't going back after maternity I just didn't so I went back to work full-time for six months and I just I didn't enjoy it like and and at the time it was COVID still so we were working from home and I knew there was always going to be a time where my job because I was commuting to London every day I always knew there was a time where they'd call us all back in and say we're all back in the office and it was I I remember thinking how on earth am I going to get on that 7.20 train in the morning when nursery opens at eight, get to London, get back off the train at, I think I used to get off the train at like 7, 7 p.m. to go and collect her. Especially, it's fine when my husband's not traveling, but he travels a lot for work as well. And I'm thinking, how on earth am I going to do this? Is this not going to work? And I'm thinking, I've got to make Curate and Rotate work. You've got to give it everything to make it feel like you can leave your job to make this business work because you are not going to be able to work up in London every day and like look after have a like have a child it was it was was not impossible no nurseries open seven till 
seven and I wouldn't do that want to do that anyway so for six months I worked full-time as an executive assistant nine till six and then in the evenings I would then spend time with my daughter because she was at nursery then and then start work again at like 8 p.m writing all descriptions for the clothes because I had no one helping me then it was just me and then every weekend on a Saturday morning I would put up my backdrop because I work from home then I have a studio now and take pictures of all the outfits on myself so I'd say to my husband right I need that three hours now do you mind taking Margot out Saturday morning taking pictures in the clothes (laughs) getting changed taking another outfit like taking like 30 40 outfit pictures so I could then upload them to then sell but so continuously for six months, it was like a seven day working week and then evenings too. And it was intense, but I feel like sometimes I don't give up and I was like, do not give up. I, there were times when it was, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm exhausted and I have a daughter who's one, which is a hard age, you know, they want, they want a lot from you still. Of, of course she does still now, but I just, I saw something special in Curay and I knew I knew I could do it if I just kept pushing. So yeah, it got to six months of doing the two together. And I was so, I was just like, I I can't do it. I'm so, you know, I could barely have time to see my friends. Like I felt guilty for that. I didn't have much time for my husband. I felt guilty for that. Like, and I just said, right, that's it. I'm going to, I'm going to give it my all. It's all these thousand podcasts that I listen to of people saying, go on, just quit your job. <laughs> giving me the motivation. So I said to my, yeah, my corporate job 10 years, I'm handsome and noticing I'm leaving. Yeah. And they said, oh, you know, to, to just, you know, be a working set home mum, sorry, or whatever they, someone asked me. And I said, no, I'm going to try and make this hobby a business. Like I'm going to, I'm going to try my best. And I did. And it was the best thing I ever did was to quit that job that I had worked so hard for, you know, <laughs> I worked so, so hard for that job. It was a good job, but I needed to give time, curate and rotate the time that I felt it deserved. And I just needed to have one focus, like who can work, you can't, you cannot work full time, nine till six and have a, like a hobby side hustle and a child without really feeling, feeling it, you know, it's intense. <laughs> I don't know how I did it. But I did it. And yeah, <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, I'm still kind of like stuck on the point where you're saying you're like the photographer and the model and then the, you know, the editor and obviously doing the picking and packing and dropping off to people's houses. I mean, it's so much work. Like it's, it's I mean, I think that's the thing, isn't it, that people often don't understand about creating your own business you cannot afford to employ people and you have to be every single department is you yeah and I never saw that when when you know if people said this you see on telly like people say they start a business you watch Dragonstone and well I still love Dragonstone but you know I watched that and I think oh that's so nice or like aren't you oh how lucky are you to be able to do that I think it's not luck it's the hard work that people put into their small businesses is incredible you have to I knew nothing about business absolutely nothing didn't know how to pack a parcel never worked in a shop didn't know anything about like money accounting anything websites like I have no idea even now I'm I'm do I do a hell of a lot I have someone working for me only a couple days a week but I'm doing so much but I think it's not forever so I stopped the deliveries around people's houses you know, I, I stopped that when I went back to work and we started just, I had a website by this point and we were, you know, posting orders. But I think it was for, I don't know how many years, maybe one, maybe two years, me and my husband on a Sunday after that rotation would go live, you, you know, you get a nice little trickle of orders come in and I'd make him sit and pack with me until midnight on a Sunday at the kitchen table. We'd put like smooth radio on and then we'd like pack everyone everyone's orders. And then the next day we'd like take it down in the big, royal mail bags to the post office after we dropped Margot at nursery we still laugh at that like how you know like one two years just sitting every Sunday night till midnight packing on the kitchen table with all our packing materials at home yeah it's wild it's absolutely wild and I think anyone who has a business I think I see them so differently now I think you're amazing like it's on you because it is really hard work that I don't think people see how crazy it is What I find interesting, Mel, is that you're very open about the fact that you don't have any fashion background or fashion experience. You didn't study it at university. You didn't gain any experience in the workplace. And 
I think that there's, you know, there's so much to unpack with that, because firstly, I think it shows that you don't have to have experience. You can totally succeed as you have done without that knowledge. But I'm also just curious to know that, you know, did the knowledge that, you know, that you didn't have that experience, did that kind of hold you back ever? Did you suffer from like imposter syndrome at all? Yeah, so it still does like there are still moments when I do feel like oh is this should I be here like is this my business should this be my business like and especially in fashion as well I don't know like so I'm going to an event on Monday in London for a brand and even then I I I feel I do feel like I don't belong you know it's it's weird and I don't know whether I ever feel like I, I do. I don't feel, yeah, I feel like imposter syndrome is something I always have, maybe. I, I don't know what it is, whether it's my background, whether it's the fact, you know, where like how I grew up, where I grew up at all, whether it is because I've never worked in fashion. I, I Yeah, sometimes I do definitely feel like I shouldn't be here or I don't belong or I'm not like them. I don't know, like, so yeah, for sure, but... I think a lot of people do, right? Some people seem confident and they're not fully confident. But yeah, it is something for sure that I struggle with, definitely, yeah. And I think it's really understandable. I mean, people suffer with imposter syndrome even when they've had the work experience or they've studied yeah. that that discipline or whatever. And I think the fact that you haven't, I, you know, that doesn't surprise me at all. But I think it's also really interesting because when we first spoke about doing this podcast and, and, and you had some, like, you know, reservations that. And it's yeah. funny because we had our first conversation and I was, like, so impressed with you know, with your well, firstly, what you've achieved, but just also with your approach and your kind of like determination and your completely clear like vision for your business and for the future. And I was thinking, actually, you came across way more impressive than people who've been doing it for, you know, 10, 20 years, you know, in, in, in industry. But yeah, so so I think to others, when we see you, we, we're we're super impressed by what you've been able to achieve. And I think the fact that you did it from a different background just through sheer determination and even like having the confidence of like being the model on your own, you know, like, like in your own photography. I mean, that takes a lot of courage as well, right? Oh, I know. I never used to show my face though. And I don't model our pieces anymore that are going up for rotation. Our community do, which is something which is really special. So all of our pieces are modeled by regular people from our community. They're not models who they fill out a form for us and they come in and they showcase the pieces for us. It's so cute. And it's a really good way for us to get our community involved which I love but when I did it I never showed my face I must have had like the world's bendiest neck because I would always turn my head away or, or I started out put, I start, started out doing selfies like more so the phone would always be in front of my face I think it was like two years later I finally went oh hi I'm Mel this is what I look like because I don't like being in camera like that you know yeah and I never ever modeled I don't think ever showing my showing my face yeah mad but the girls who model for me do <laughs> but that's also really sweet that your community come in and do the do the modeling I love it I absolutely love it it's like I love it so much number one I get to meet new people all the time we so we have a massive form I think it's like 100 names in it at the moment of people who want to come in for us it's going to take like two hours we try and pick a different one um each time we do have a regular consistent model just for ease but we like to pick different people and it's amazing like then a lot of them say I haven't done anything like this before but I want to try some I've, I've said I'll try something different and step outside my comfort zone and I'm like oh my gosh I'd love you to because it reminds me of me like I'm always trying to step out my comfort zone and they will they come in they're a little bit nervous at first some of them some are more confident than others but they leave and I think loving it we create like a really cute reel on Instagram with music of their day at the end of the day they've spent with us pop their name up and add them to our models list on our website and I think and I like using our community because it just shows that you don't have to be a model to wear these pieces you know like normal brands would hire in models to shoot their clothing I guess wouldn't they whereas I just like to use regular people who are different shapes sizes and showcase it that way yeah <laughs> I love it I absolutely love it you're like breaking down so many barriers you're like mm -hmm. democratizing fashion in so many ways I mean the fact that people are coming almost to kind of push themselves out of their comfort zone like almost like 
building their own personal brand, maybe, you know, like, and, and being able to go home and think, wow, I'm actually... I'm actually photographed and, and and I'm on somebody's website. And, and I think also like it must say a lot about how your community feel about you and your business, that they feel safe enough, you know, in a world where people are trolled all the time on social media and the minute they put the head above the parapet, someone's there to like knock them down again. You know, the fact that people have, they feel it's a safe enough environment for them to expose their face and, and, and their their body in, you know, in, in, in certain outfits. It's quite a yeah. big deal, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it just makes me so happy knowing that they are trusting like us to have that kind of control because they don't know what pictures we're going to put up. Yeah, that makes me so happy. Like we had one lady come with her little baby. She just had a baby. I think the baby was, I'm going to guess this now because I've forgotten, four months old. So like I was taking pictures of this lady while Elle, who works with me, was like, carry, you know, like bobbing around her, her little babe. And it was so cute. And I was like, I love that she felt so comfortable to come to the studio. She's a new mum. Like, you know, she said she wasn't being like 100% her best, but she still wanted to come. And and I hope and I think that she did, left feeling great about herself and that we styled her in a really nice way. Yeah, I love it. Like, it's one of my favourite decisions that we've made is by using the community to model our pieces. I think your community relationships, Mel, are really something to, <laughs> to behold. And I mean, I just can't believe how people are like feeling such a high degree of comfort being in an environment with you and and I know you said before as well like that you know people just feel very relaxed with you and maybe you know that's just because you're very down to earth or you know you you you, you're just very easygoing but I think the fact that people you know so much want to be a part of your brand that they come and offer themselves to model whether it's to kind of support their own kind of like personal development and and push themselves or whether it's to come and support you I think it's I think it's lovely I think it's very different to how most businesses are operating today and I definitely think that post-covid a lot of people are just looking for this kind of genuine community environment yeah it just feels natural to me like I don't know any other way to run a business I don't know how the fashion world works I know nothing about I feel like I'm just doing it the way in which I want to do it because it's my business I have full control of what I want to do and I love that like I just absolutely love it also I love the way you call me easygoing my husband would say I'm the least easygoing person ever (laughs) like I'm down to work yes but I'm not easygoing (laughs) no I'm gonna tell him that he'll be like is she joking He's going to be having words with me later, I know. But uh, but no, but I think that it is just really very difficult. And I what I'm seeing so much of is community happening in very small, specific areas. You know, there's there's what we're talking about today. Next week on, on the podcast, we've got Emmy Faust, who is the creator of Female Founders Rise. And she's doing all of these events all over the place for female yeah. founders. And they're so well attended. The engagement level is like through the roof. And I, you know, and I think you can, but I still think you can count on one hand the amount of kind of businesses that are really creating genuine communities. And then there's a lot of them that have just got like huge followings, but nothing, not so much engagement. And I think there's such a big difference between following and engagement. And you'll definitely feel like you're, you're, well, you're both actually, aren't you? So, and um, it has to be organic. Do you know what I mean? You have to only be created organically. Like, don't get me wrong, I do want to put more work into this. It's just what we've created already with our, I feel like we've used the word community a thousand times. I don't know another word to use, but our customers are is amazing. But I want to take it further, but I'm just figuring out how, you know. it's. Uh, but to me, it just feels really organic to involve our customers. I, I love it. It's what makes me happy. So, yeah. I think you're, what's also really interesting is you are building this as you go along you're I'm not going to say you're you're making it up as you go along but you are be honest but but, but you kind of are and I think but I think that's a learning for everybody though isn't it following your gut following what feels right you know doing what is much more responsive to demand and feedback rather than traditional ways of doing things like knowing all of that now if you had to give some advice to people you were following you who are looking at you as a you know a real fashion inspiration what what advice would you give to anyone starting out now I'd say go with what you think is right and what you think 
will work. Like, don't try and, I mean, I don't tend to, like, don't look at other people and see what they're doing. I like to think of what I think is right and what I want to do, even if it feels a little bit, I don't know, like using the models, for example, like it's something a little bit different using your, your customers to model for you quite different you know is a bit more like takes a bit of admin to back and forth but it's something I wanted to do so I go for it so I feel like just to stick to your path and what you think is going to work for your business because every business is so different and what can work for someone doesn't work for someone else and to me it has to feel natural and organic go with what your your heart is it your heart or your head your heart's telling you so the business is super exciting and I'm sure you've got huge plans for the future. At the moment, you're doing everything by yourself, pretty much, apart from a little bit of support a few days a week. If you had to fast forward five years, what would Curate and Rotate look like, in your opinion? I would like more staff. So it's me, myself, working on the business full time, plus, because it's never just full time, like when it's your own business, is it? I've got Elle in the studio with me two days a week, who's a studio assistant. She's amazing. I have a seamstress, she's not employed by me, so we outsource our, we repair clothes as well. So if pieces come to us that need a seam repaired or they have a button missing or we want to rework some pieces, we have a seamstress who has been with me since day one when I was going with my buggy on maternity leave, carrying bundles of clothes for her to repair. She's amazing, Francis. And we use other freelancers as and when needed, like people like Tanya, Katie, so I'll just say their name. But yeah, it would be to have more staff. I feel like staff is what helps a business to grow. And I can't forever do everything by myself because there is so much work to be done. I work a lot of evenings. I have to say no to a lot of things. I'm fine with that because I love my my business so much and I appreciate you have to give it 180%. But yeah, I'd like more staff. For that, I need money. <laughs> that's something I need to try and look into is how to every business needs money to grow because the staff you have to pay staff it's something I need to figure out you know I've never uh, curate's been built on wouldn't even say my savings just anything that curate earns goes back into it anything you know I paid for my new website just on what whatever and um, the profits that we make just go straight back into the business so yeah I need more staff I need to try and find some funds to pay for those staffs I want Curate to be more known uh, you know I don't have any money at the moment for PR and marketing I don't really know how that all works everything I've done again is an organic growth yeah I just I want to get Curate and Rotate's name out there more because I think it deserves to be out there more you know, we have a different niche in resale. There's, like I said, there's so many resale businesses, but we have a niche that does focus on incredible brands, you know, contemporary, independent, emerging brands. And yeah, I just want to get it out there a little bit more. And it will, I think it will. I'm just trying to like, you know, be patient. And I am with it. Yeah, the future I feel, I just, I want to grow it more. I want to have more time to focus on other areas. I feel like we just don't have enough time at the moment or money to get it to where I want it to be. But sometimes that's not a bad thing because when it's done a little bit slower, you can really work out what route you want it to go in. And I am. I have my plans at the moment, my goals for the future. I'm just figuring out how to get there. And I think as the years go on, I think it's five years this year, the end of this year since I started it, I used to think like how like I'm not going to be able to do that, and now I'm like how how do I do it? I'll, I'll do it, but I don't quite know how. <laughs> you know, like I'll get there, but I don't know how. But I'm going to try my absolute hardest to get the curating rotate to where I want it to be and where I feel it deserves to be. Just because I'm not from you know business backgrounds and never worked in fashion, and I I don't have money a lump of money to throw it at the moment. I'm going to try my best to grow it to where I want it to be. Yeah, that's amazing. But stop. Yeah, I need. Yeah, stuff. but you know what's really interesting? I mean, I'm listening to everything you're saying on this podcast, and I I think never has there been a better case for crowdfunding than your business. You know, because you you have this such yeah. an amazing authentic community. I am sure if you actually put it out there and said, "Come on, community, do you want to? Do you really want to be a part of this yeah. business?" And 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 maybe you would find that actually, you know crowdfunding could could 
bring a lot of revenue in a really easy way because actually raising investments and handling private equity companies and all the rest of it, that's also very hard and takes a lot of time. But sometimes crowdfunding, I mean, I wouldn't always recommend it, but I think, you know, you have a ready-made community that could maybe support. Yeah, so crowdfunding is something that a couple of people have mentioned to me. I need to look into it because I don't fully understand it. I do probably feel like that it would fit in. It would fit well to raise a bit of money for. I don't, I don't really know how it works. Do you, know, you know what I mean? I'm going to admit, I don't really know fully how it works. I also need to figure out how comfy I feel with asking people for help. I feel like throughout my life, I, I've always found it hard to ask people for help, let alone people I don't really know you know so it's something I need to look into but yeah it's I think it's one thing of like running a small business that's that is not always discussed is about money and a money a business to survive and grow to what people want it to be needs cash behind it and yeah to get staff right like I need a full-time I need L to be full-time because I can't carry on the way I am you know it's been nearly five years but I'll figure out right like I always think that like I I figure it out I always do I started a business I never thought I would so the money the money thing is just something else I have to figure out right? <laughs> Absolutely. You, you will definitely get there. But I do think it's an interesting observation that you make that, you know, it, it everything that you've been able to control, you've been able to do, you know, like you, you every hour that you can put into it, you've put into it, every job within the business, you're doing it. And then you get to the point where it's like, okay, I've developed a very successful small business. Mm. And now I need to take you to the next level. And that's almost like, a new set of learnings that you have to go through and like financing this model, whichever way you do it, building a team of people, you know, becoming their manager, creating a workforce, you know, they're yeah. all the, probably the next layers of learnings that, you know, that, that you're going to be having. But I think if you carry on on the track that you've been on, you're going to be absolutely fine. I hope so. Like I feel like every, there's always something next. So my last week's learning or the month's learning that I've just had is the website, move into a new platform. How does that work? How do I do this? How do I do that? The next part is how do I grow Curate into what I think it deserves to be and can be? How do I get from being a woman who founded a business from a hobby with no money to being what I think? It's not that I want this huge machine. I just want Curate to be what it can be. Like, I really, really do. I want to give it my all. But yeah, it's figuring out how to get to that next stage, how to get the finances to take it to the next stage. Because I need to, I need staff and I need the money to pay staff to help it grow. And that's me just trying to figure it out. I don't have, you know, anyone to give me money. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, my family don't have any money. So it's how do I get it? And I feel, I feel sometimes a bit tacky talking about money, but you have to be honest. You need the money to grow a business. And yes, I could keep it as it is. I could continue working the way I am. I could just have L2 days a week and Curate could just be what it is, which is beautiful. It's nice, but it doesn't deserve to be just that. There's potential for it to be so much more. I know there is. I just know there is, but I don't quite know how to get there yet. I don't think you're going to have any problems whatsoever. I think probably what you're going to have to do at some point is like, have a dedicated period of time where you just yeah. focus on finance because like you say these are not tacky conversations around money these are about how big do you want your business to be and raising enough money to match up to the aspirations that you have for the brand because right. you know like at the end of the day with one person plus a part-time person it can only ever be so big right and I think that like you said you you know that it needs to be bigger than this so I think it will, I think when you put your mind into that space, I think options will come up. And But I definitely think that, you know, I, I very rarely talk to businesses that have this kind of community support mm. and love and engagement. And you might just find that as a quick, easy way to, you know, work with people who are incredibly loyal to you and what you stand for. I don't know, it could be an option, but I'm sure you're going to you're going to come up with, with with some great ideas and we'll all be watching because oh, everything, yeah. everything you've achieved so far has been absolutely brilliant. And uh, I just think it's super impressive. And I really hope that everyone that's listening to this podcast 
really get has learned a lot about you today and learned that everything that they see on your website and everything mm-hmm. the business looks like it's much bigger in terms mm-hmm. of people and infrastructure than it actually is and that's because of your hard work and effort so it's really yeah. impressive I just work bloody hard and I'm driven and determined and I think I've just got something I love so much like so much and it still blows my mind that I am just a regular woman who once had a corporate PA job and then she had a kid and this whole rebirth is like it's it's mental I'm just a normal girl who had a little who had a little dream and never thought that I'd have my own business ever in a million years I guess I just want to show that other people who were like me and are like me you know that you can do it it's not just reserved for people who grew up around like people in business or I don't know like or with money or with money yeah like and I certainly didn't maybe that's where my love of like secondhand started right because I'm so I'm so I sort of grew up knowing that lack of money yeah but I still like nice things it's like I want to wear those clothes that I want to wear but yeah, I don't know. Like I'm just a normal woman. <laughs> Your story is so lovely. I've really enjoyed this podcast, but I've also really enjoyed talking to you like previously as well. I I really hope that people listen to this and really understand that actually hard work, determination, self belief, yeah. all of those things that you have in bucket loads, you know, completely knocks out any kind of insecurities about not having experience or not coming from the industry or not coming with money. All of those things seem quite trivial because you've actually proven that hard work or just not just hard work, but real focus as well. I think you are laser focused about the business that you want to build and how you're organically building it, you know, with people offering themselves up. I mean, I literally, I'm not suggesting that you should do this, but I almost think that if you asked your community if they wanted to work for you voluntarily, they'd probably come and they'd probably come and support you as well. I'd love it. Absolutely lovely. I've really enjoyed it. And before we go, I just wanted to ask you a question that we ask all our guests. And that is about balance, because Santalan, which is our coaching and transformation program, is the Hindi word for balance. So with everything you've told us today and how busy your life is, tell me, how do you get balance in your life? Yeah, I mean, I don't really have much. I'm trying now. I am definitely trying. I feel like since for the past six months or so, I've been working on trying to get more balance in my life because I feel like for the past, like I said, it's been five years this year since I started my idea of Curate. I have been so stressed and there's moments where I've just cried. I'm just, I don't know what to do. And I feel like, I just have to find some sort of balance, whether that's through fitness, just trying to take a step back sometimes and realise that it's healthy, not to constantly feel like you're working on your business and not to feel guilty when you do try and find some balance, which if I'm only just realising that I can go for a run and not work and not have to use that half an hour working because I've got a free half an hour. I think it's important for your mind. And yeah, I think... I had a lot of years without any balance saying no to friends that I don't want to do stuff and just trying to find it. I think it just takes time and I'm trying, I'm learning and I do know it's important. So yeah, fitness is important to me, trying to see my friends more. So and I spend more time with my daughter? We spend a lot of time together anyway. I think as well about my daughter, I think I used to worry that people would think I'm a bad mum for like working hard on my business. You know, when I said I work like Saturdays and stuff, and I always used to worry what people would think, like, oh, she cares about her business more. And no, I make sure with, in terms of balance, that I leave enough time for her. She, you know, I prioritise her overseeing my friends and things. Of course, she's my baby, my best, yeah. my little bestie. She's five. Why does it make me cry? <laughs> no, I'm going to start crying too now. <laughs> I think that it's really hard being a mum and having a start-up business that you want to grow. And I just want to make her proud. And I re- I do see how much she loves me and how, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I've answered your question there, but I just, yeah, it's um, balance is a hard one, but it's something you kind of got to learn how to, how to do when you're running a business. Because it's definitely. <laughs> oh, well, listen, it's been absolutely wonderful to have you on this podcast. This has yeah. been like one of my favorites. And I just think that I've been in the industry, fashion industry, my whole career. And it's like nearly 30 years of, of, of working with fashion businesses, brands and, and people from the fashion industry. And I, I rarely meet people like you. And I think that, you know, your drive, your ambition, your focus, 
your I don't know your compass your, your you know the way you where you're going with all of this it's so lovely and I am so happy that we got connected by that lovely Tanya and yeah. um, I, I really, really wish you so much success. And I know that, you know, in years to come, you're going to be you're going to be running such a big business. And I I hope everyone that's listening to this will be, you know, is, is it on your website on a Sunday? Is, is that where you go onto the website for the yeah. dogs? Yeah. So I, I think that I hope people will listen to this and even more people will come on. And uh, yeah, you're doing you're doing a brilliant job. Really, really fantastic to speak to you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, I really appreciate it. And it just feels mind blowing that I'm on a podcast because I used to listen to them so much when Curate was a hobby. And I used to listen to so many saying about how people would quit their jobs to follow their passions and their dreams. And I blame podcasts really for making me do this and quitting my job. <laughs> so um, I, I absolutely love them. And to me, podcasts are a huge part of like my life and changing the, like the plan that was initially set out and making me go with this business like they're so incredible and inspiring and yeah I just hope even if I can inspire one person I will be happy so yeah absolutely and that that's what this podcast is about I mean like honestly I didn't feel like the world necessarily needed like an, another podcast you know but I just felt like if every guest that I have on this podcast has a story to tell that is mm. going to resonate with somebody and and you know it's going to help somebody to make a decision or to take a step or to step out their comfort zone then you know what it's worth it and we've had yeah so many fantastic women of which you know you are definitely one of them as well so I think a lot of people will listen to this and just be so blown away at how much you've been able to achieve without what is say a conventional route to the success mm, yeah no thank you I really hope you were inspired by this podcast with Mel it was really important to have her on the podcast because I think she teaches us all a great lesson and that is that sometimes, even without the right textbook skills and without finance or guidance, you can still make things happen. For me, she epitomizes the concept of this podcast. It's all about getting up and getting out and making stuff happen, even when it's totally out of your comfort zone. I think her brand will become even more successful in the months and years ahead because she has on her side the one thing that really matters, and that is self-belief. I really wish her well. Next week on the podcast, we have Emmy Faust, the creator of Female Founders Rise. This unbelievable organization that has grown from strength to strength in such a short space of time brings together female founders from all around the country, creating the biggest support network for women at all different stages of their businesses. Emmy is an absolute whirlwind. She is one of the most impressive people I've ever met. And I cannot wait to share this podcast with you next week. See you then. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Nobody's Coming to Fix You. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please follow us and subscribe for future episodes. If you have any questions about the content of this show, all the details will be in the show notes. You can also reach out to us on Instagram and TikTok at Santaland Coaching. Nobody's Coming to Fix You is brought to you by Santalan, a 12-month coaching and transformation program for women. To learn more, please go to www.santalan.com. I'm your host, Albia. Until next time, stay well.